A warm welcome to the Journey Visions. It's a path to sustainability podcast, a podcast series by the participants of the EIT Climate Kick Climate Change Summer School. In this podcast, we aim at capturing different participants' visions and their joint projects to fight climate change. Here it's Mustafa from the Transalpine Journey 2020. And today I'm really honored to be speaking to one of our coaches, Rowan. Rowan, before we start, we would like to ask you some rapid fire round. We would like to know more about you, your full name, place you would call home, a place you study, your education background. So my educational background has been quite quite a journey of different uh, explorations of what you could do to make a difference. Um, started out uh, in a creative, artistic uh, school growing up um, and then thought, wanted to be a doctor initially, uh, didn't get into medicine and then decided, well, how are other ways of making a difference in the world? And I thought, well, if I studied business administration, then I'd be able to have an impact in the world that is mostly driven by business. So I studied business administration for a couple of years, worked on some micro uh, credit projects in, projects in Ghana, and I figured out that it was still very much part of the old system. So I started studying social innovation and then later strategic leadership towards sustainability. So combining the social innovation, which is a three-year program called the Chaos Pilots, where we really dive into how do you navigate chaos, complexity, how do you motivate others and collaborate in the best way, combined with a bit more strategic applications of uh, sustainability management and how you can think about the future in a different, more sustainable way. So that has been the, the path from business administration through social innovation to strategic sustainability. Uh, wow, I'm really impressed. I didn't see that coming. You really had to move between completely different business and you traveled around the world to find this way. Okay, then let me ask you, how can you describe yourself in three words? Or let's say three words that describe yourself. Describing myself in three words, um, a gardener, a warrior, and a wanderer. Uh, I myself would have liked to be a gardener at some point, but yeah, it didn't work out well. So yeah, let's move on to the next one. Uh, what was your initial motivation to join the journey? Or when did you first hear about it? And My initial motivation... My initial motivation to join the journey, uh, the whole Climate Kick program here, was seeing that this was really one of the places, one of the few places that I see in the world where you really start to bring in a new perspectives on systems change, going a little bit deeper than just coming up with um, superficial solutions and seeing that there is a deep intention to really tackle some of these complexities, uncertainties, difficulties that we are facing as a society without having the pretension that there is an easy answer to them, but knowing that to have any chance of succeeding here, we really do need to collaborate. We do need to create good networks, communities, relationships that can support us as we move into these uncertain um, 
really confusing times. And it feels like there is a community around the journey around Climate Kick that is exploring, that is learning, that is looking at what possibilities are there. And at the same time, they're backed by an incredible uh, group of partners, um, of resource people throughout Europe and now increasingly throughout the world. So I thought it was really a place that brings together the power of the system, uh, kind of the dominant system of the European institutions together with new thinking, both on specific ideas and kind of the grander ideas of what is needed for the future. So it feels like a place where I can contribute some of what I'm doing, what I'm learning, and I can uh, exchange this learning and be stimulating, stimulated by, by others in this. And that's why I joined and why I want to stay engaged as much as possible and to continue this ongoing inquiry. That makes me also so excited to be part of the journey in 2020. And I would like to ask you, okay, within the field of sustainable development, what interests you the most? Within the field of sustainable development, my interests um, have changed a lot over the years, going from microcredits, going to social innovation, social entrepreneurship. And, and these days, it's going a lot towards how can we create adaptive, resilient solutions uh, to the changes that are to come? I've moved away from thinking that we can avoid climate change to really thinking that we need to adapt to a very different world, um, whether it's because of climate change, loss of biodiversity, whether it's because of uh, coronavirus, or whatever challenges we are facing, a collapse of an economic system, we will be facing a radical different future. And for me, within that, within creating a more sustainable world, creating local, resilient, decentralized communities that are more self-efficient, that have systems in place that can support food production, local uh, services that can allow us not to depend on big centralized monocultures of industry or based on a very fragile uh, economic system that being kept artificially alive. So how can we come back to some of our roots, connect to our basic needs around living, food, education, um, and really look at what are the basics that we can support each other in, uh, in our communities. So that's what I've been exploring both very locally where I live uh, in my little village, but also starting to connect different villages around uh, the area where I live in South America, here in Colombia. And have, have you been always so motivated to be engaged in sustainable development or climate action? Or there is a specific event that happened that triggered you that now I should take an action? Mm, well, there's a specific event that has triggered me. Mm, I think my motivation um, has always been there to a large degree, not specifically on climate action, but really looking at the bigger picture of sustainability and seeing how we can ensure life on Earth. And that has been a driving force, I think, from looking at social injustices, looking at um, how we really 
malmanage or how we fail to really create a system or create a way of engaging in a meaningful way that creates a benefit for all. And I think it's really combined with this co combination of social justice, sustainability, connection to, uh, to nature. And I think maybe one event um, that is really kind of anchoring that for me was in 2008, right when my daughter was born, my first daughter, um, I escaped the house three months later to go on a kind of a vision quest or a nature quest. And I spent one week alone in the mountains in northern Sweden. And coming back from that, I had a very clear uh, notion or knowing that I really wanted to include in all of my work um, a way to to care for nature, to care for life on Earth. And that can take many forms, uh, human, animal, plant life, and all the other. And I think that initial spark have really kept on growing and unfolding in very many different ways. But I think it's important, looking back now, as you asked me, to, to come back to that initial intention of, how to create the best conditions for life to unfold. Yeah, yeah. And would you name a specific person or a thing or a celebrity as the biggest inspiration or something that keeps you going? Something that keeps me going. Or someone that keeps you yeah. going. Yeah, no, I think more than a person, one image or metaphor that I've been very inspired from has been this notion of some of the uh, ancient warrior traditions, uh, the samurais, some of the knights in Europe, uh, some of the Maui warriors that were not soldiers, they were not trying to uh, defeat others, they were trying to protect life, they were trying to protect what was important, uh, honor, and they were not afraid of uh, dying or failing, but they had a very clear purpose and intention of serving, serving life, serving the people, serving their communities uh, without being fearful of what might happen to themselves. And that has been, I think, uh, an impulse that really alive for me in my own personal practice of how to practice warriorship courage, uh, clarity, compassion um, in this. And been together with some friends and a mentor of mine, Toker Muller, developing the Practicing for Peace Dojo, where we practice the warriorship of the heart and stewarding uh, of what is important in life, in life and in the world at this time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for sharing all that so far and getting more to the journey that we are doing at the moment. Would you be able to phrase in one minute something about the journey or what is it about? If somebody new would have no idea what the journey is about, can you please just in one minute tell us what is it? So the journey. To tell it in one minute, I would say it's a summer school 
that is organized by the biggest consortium in the world, private public consortium working on climate change, the European Climate Kick, where they are bringing 400 people together to work on the most pressing climate challenges in the world at this time and inviting them and including them in one of the biggest networks that support entrepreneurship, systems, innovation, and bigger systems initiatives that can support a, a sustainable future. Okay, that was brief and precise. Thanks a lot for that. And given your education and academical background, how would you separate the theories that you have learned in academia, in master's degree or bachelor or doctorate from the practical applications? How would I separate theory and practice? That's exactly. Good, that's a good question. Hmm. I think a lot of the theories and the models and the frameworks have helped me make sense of what is happening. But I do think everything that we do starts to make sense when we put it into practice. Uh, and we see that the models, the theories, they are only a very small part and very often uh, we don't stick to the the step-by-steps or the rules or the models, um, but they're still there and they can be helpful to talk about it, communicate what is happening. I think for me, the most important thing is to hold all our theory lightly, is to start to practice in a conscious, rigorous way where we also are making sense, where we are capturing our learning, where we are making sense along the way. Uh, and adding to that. But I think from my own experience, from the mentors that I've been working with, there's nothing more valuable than practice and experience and really lived uh, wisdom that you can see. People have struggled, they have uh, failed, they have cried, they have moved through the challenges of real life. And there's no theory that can really capture that. So. Um, I've been very grateful for having some basic frameworks for uh, and practices, I guess. Also, in I guess, based on these theories or principles for how the world works, of how we understand uh, the state of the world, we can start to uh, come up with better informed practices. Um, but I think that's really, for me, um, the dance of how some of what we are learning here can inform our practices, how what we can learn in the practice can uh, inform the theory and how we can start to be in this dance of the praxis, uh, the merger, the melting together of, of theory and practice. Yeah, yeah. So in your opinion, how does the journey then contribute, if any, to the sustainable development goals? To the sustainability, the sustainable development goals. How does the journey exactly. contribute to that? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> We're talking about practical solutions now, so. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's hard to put a specific uh, goal at the center here. I do think it contributes to to stimulating the the whole awareness and systems awareness of 
we do need to work on all of these goals, that we do need to um, create climate solutions. But as I'm seeing, there's a lot of the projects that are being proposed under the umbrella of climate change that are obviously addressing many of the other sustainable development goals as they are all interconnected systems. So uh, I think the journey in its current form uh, with a more systemic approach allows for a much wider impact in terms of how we are thinking of the sustainable development goals. Um, and I think it's really important that we start to include more and more projects that are wider that do address more of the of the SDGs uh, together and I'm seeing that that's that's happening but still quite broadly um, looking at uh, options that are that are supporting both education that are supporting specific climate mitigation that are supporting water that are supporting waste um, equality so I'm seeing a reflection of the concerns of the young people of Europe, of the world today, being translated and having a, a vehicle through the journey to be able to manifest, uh, to be able to be funded, to be able to uh, develop further through the journey. And I think they, they span broadly in terms of the SDGs. Yeah, so... I have two follow-up questions related to that. The first one would be, what are the most efficient three ways, from your opinion, to fight the climate crisis? For the, the other one would be more related to the awareness, but we can leave that till the end. So what are the most efficient ways for the European Union to fight climate change? It doesn't have to be about the EU. It can be in general. What are the most efficient three ways to fight climate crisis in your opinion? Ah, the most efficient ways to fight climate change, in my opinion. Exactly. I, coming back to what I was mentioning before, I do believe that by creating local resilient communities, decentralized, um, and focusing in initially on an, an adaptive strategy rather than a mitigating strategy, I do think that the end result will be... Uh, much more impactful uh, given that um, through being more localized, more decentralized, we do start to change our behavior. We start to change our outlook and worldview. And I think that in turn will um, change a lot of how we see the system that we are part of. So um, focusing on resilient local communities um, that's the top of my uh, mitigation strategy uh, or climate change strategy. Some other aspects um, without necessarily being uh, attached to the specifics in terms of the impact in on CO2 equivalents um, in terms of how we diminish those. I do think that restoring our ecosystems is such an important part uh, of what is needed to be done at this point. Restoring our forests, our mangroves, the oceans, um, the changing how we grow food, I think has a huge potential if we start to see 
that in a more integral way, in a more systemic way, where we think about how can we, by growing food, how can we start to think about the biodiversity that we create? How can we think about carbon capturing in the ground? How can we, instead of just growing food, also nurture and grow healthy soil? We have uh, 30 to 40% of topsoil erosions over the last years, and we have the ability to capture so much carbon and CO2 in the soil through various different um, uh, technologies that could help greatly also to mitigate. But I think changing the whole consciousness around how we grow food, how we organize around the food system um, will have a huge potential in terms of local communities, in terms of carbon capturing and in terms of creating uh, resources uh, for the future generations. Okay, that sounds pretty intense and I'm really, personally, I'm so happy that somebody is working on that uh, low level as well in order to seek for change and not just uh, holding presentations and lectures. I would like, before we go to the game that we have at the end that we have prepared, I would like to ask you one more thing. Does awareness means, based on what you have said, the idea of the journey is to raise awareness that people are aware more about the environment about climate change and how our actions matter. Does awareness from your point of view means actions? Because how I personally would see it, we might be aware of things, but we might not take actions. So how can the journey in a way make sure or make people feel responsible that they should be taking actions and not just being aware of it? I do think, as we also explored over the last days and the journey, this notion of cognitive dissonance where we know something but we act differently, I do think it's a really hard bridge to, to create. And I think, again, it's moving from theory to practice. What is it that we can practice? What is it that we can actually do in everyday life? And I think one of the things that that greatly help that is to have a community of people that inspire you to change your action, to change your behavior. And I think the journey contributes in the greatest way to have those references, to see those pioneers, to see those other activists that are out there as part of our journey, that are our co-participants, our project members that are living in a different way, that are taking difficult decisions, that are finding creative solutions to so how do we deal with the kind of behavior that we need in a more sustainable way? So I do think that there is a link between uh, awareness and behavior uh, in that. And it's not so direct, but I do think that it's one of the things that we mostly need and that we do need to, to continue to build more than the business idea or more than the... Um, uh, the great network is really seeing how can we strengthen those relationships within the journey, within the journey community and the alumni to see how can we inspire each other to to behave in other ways, to inspire others to change their actions, to, to move towards a more sustainable uh, future. And I can totally confirm that for the last couple of days or weeks, 
yeah, there will always be some experts in the field that will tell us more about actions and not just about being aware of it. So our time is stretching to an end. Before we go, we would like to play a short game with you. It will be basically, it's going to be so fast. So you have only few seconds and you will choose one of two options. I will give you two options and you have to choose one of them. Very Electric good. car or public transport? Public transport. Organic or local? Local. Bike or walking? Walking. Walking or e-bike? Walking. Train or bus? Train. Bamboo or paper cup? Bamboo. Soya or oat milk or almond milk or... Uh, almond milk? Well, great. That was the game for us. Well, I would really like to thank you so much for your time. I know that took quite a lot of time. So thanks for listening to this podcast, everyone. And we really appreciate your feedback on our social media channels. And of course, we can get in touch if you want to be part of this podcast as a participant. Thank you again, Rowan, again, and good luck with your project. Thank you very much.